Our posture towards other people matters greatly. How we view them, how we treat them, how we respond to them, especially in sin, uh, it matters greatly. It also says a great deal about what we truly believe. God's Word gives us some instruction, church, on how we should respond towards others, what our posture towards others and their sin should be. So turn with me to Luke 6. We're continuing our sermon series in the Gospel of Luke. I've titled today's sermon, The Christian Posture Towards Others. I'm going to read the text. We're going to be looking at Luke 6, 37 to 42, and then I'll pray for us. Luke chapter 6, verse 37. Do not judge, and you will not be judged. Do not condemn, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over, will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. He also said to them, he also told them a parable. Can the blind guide the blind? Won't they both fall into a pit? A disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone who is fully trained will be like his teacher. Why do you look at the splinter in your brother's eye, but don't notice the beam of wood in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, brother, let me take out the splinter, the splinter that is in your eye when you yourself don't see the beam of wood that is in your eye. Hypocrite, first take the beam of wood out of your eye and then you will see clearly to take out the splinter in your brother's eye. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this day. Uh, we thank you for your word. I thank you for this worship service. I thank you for the the opportunity to to gather today, to to worship you, to to learn from your word. And we confess it, as we do each week, as true. And we ask you to work in us to produce what it is that you desire. So Holy Spirit, work now in our hearts and minds for that purpose. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. So as we work our way through these six verses, we're going to be looking at this from the Christian posture towards others. Uh, the first point that I want us to see in this is the Christian posture toward others is not judgmental. The Christian posture toward others is not judgmental. Let's look at the first two verses from these in this passage. Verses 37 and 38 again. Do not judge and you will not be judged. Do not condemn, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you a good measure. Pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. The Christian posture towards others is not judgmental, and the reality is our hearts are not good at this. Uh, we are quick to 
judge others. We are quick to condemn others. This is one of the, the verses, one of the passages that people outside the church actually know uh, quite well and will reference it. Uh, or even individuals in the church who may be in some type of, you know, have some type of sin that, that comes to light. And, and people will jump to this first. They'll jump to, like, you know, the old, the, the King James version of, like, judge not lest you be judged. You know, they, and they'll come with this posture of, who are you to judge me and how I am living? And it's, kind of quoted and, and misapplied often in this. The, the context is not saying that we are never able to address sin in others, uh, to call out sin when we see that. Uh, the, the context here is really talking about like what our spirit is when we are confronting others, when we are having to go to others about sin in their lives. Because the, the critical spirit that is typically there uh, is coming at an individual as if, like, well, I would never do something like that. It, it is condemning an individual. It is criticizing an individual and, and kind of holding yourselves up at a higher position than the individual who is in, the, in sin at that moment. So that critical judgmental spirit that we are quick to with others and quick to condemn others, Jesus is saying, put that away. Like if, you, if you're a follower of me, do not hold yourself above others like you have not ever done anything wrong. Don't hold yourself above, uh, above others thinking like, well, I would never do something like that. And then he goes on to say, be forgiving, right? Be forgiving of people. Show mercy to people in each of these you know, we see that we receive back what it is that we demonstrate towards others. And that doesn't mean that we earn our forgiveness with God by being a forgiving person. It's not that, you know, we have to, to do, a, like have a certain amount of forgiveness with others for God to forgive us. But it is teaching us that we receive both from God and from others the same that we're willing to give out to, towards others. If we are not judgmental, not hypocritical, if we are not condemning, if we are forgiving people, we too will experience that. Verse 38 goes on to talk about like that generosity in all of these, not necessarily financial generosity, but that generosity in being a uh, forgiving individual and in being a, uh, a person who extends mercy, that we will receive an abundance of that. We will receive uh, an overflow of that. And he uses, uh, Jesus in his teaching here, uses this kind of agricultural image from the market. When an individual was buying a certain amount of grain, uh, they would bring in the container. The container would be filled up. Uh, and then it would be pr the, the grain or whatever product would be pressed down. You would shake the container and then fill in the rest. And Jesus is saying that's 
That's what God's going to do. He's not going to hold back His, His grace and His mercy and His forgiveness and His generosity towards you. And it goes on to be an overflow of an abundance. It says it's like it would be like pouring out over the top and flowing into your lap. You will receive this from God. You will receive this from others. You'll receive that same kind of gracious and generous response. The problem is that's not how our hearts often respond towards people. It's not how we respond towards someone who's in sin, especially if that sin looks quite different than our own. But even sometimes we're blind to our own sin and we do not respond to individuals this way. We're often judgmental and condemning and withholding of forgiveness for others. Paul addresses this issue in Romans 2. And verse 1, he says, Therefore, every one of you who judges is without excuse. For when you judge another, you condemn yourself, since you, the judge, do the same things. Right? We condemn ourselves when we take this judgmental attitude towards others and their sin because we really aren't any different. Maybe their sin's different than ours. But Scripture looks at God's law as singular. God's law is a singular law. It's a singular command given to the people. Live this way. And we all go against God's law. We all are sinners. And Paul says here in Romans, this is the problem is we're quick to judge people, but you're really condemning your own actions because you too are a sinner. So church, let's be slow to judge others. Let's be slow to condemn others. And let's be generous with forgiveness and grace because of the forgiveness and grace that's been given to us through Jesus Christ, right? And because of that, because we've been extended forgiveness, because we've been forgiven, we can pursue this posture. Our posture towards others should be non-judgmental. The second truth I want us to see from this text in Luke chapter 6 is this. The Christian posture towards others is shaped by Jesus. The Christian posture toward others is shaped by Jesus. Verses 39 and 40 back in Luke 6. He also told them a parable. Can the blind guide the blind? Won't they both fall into a pit? A disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone who is fully trained will be like his teacher. So he starts the parable with a couple of questions. If you put two blind people together, can someone, can one of them lead the other? Won't that end in destruction for both of them? And the answer, of course, is an implied and emphatic yes, absolutely. That's disastrous to think that you could put two blind individuals together on a path and that that wouldn't end in disaster. And then he goes on to say, if you're a disciple, if you're a follower of someone, 
you should start looking more and more like them. Once you've been trained by a person, the way that you respond to other people, the way that you interact with other people, it's going to be shaped by the person who taught you. And so if we are disciples of Jesus Christ, if we are truly followers of Jesus Christ... We should be shaped by Him. How we interact with others, how we view others, how we respond to others should be shaped by them. I mean, by Him. And what was Jesus' posture? It was one of love. It was one of grace. It was one of humility. He was the one person in history who had the right to stand And judge someone with the attitude of, I would never, because he never did, right? He was without sin. But every human being has sinned outside of Christ. And Jesus did not have this posture towards others. And so we should be shaped by him. We should look more and more and more like our Savior, we should have a disposition of love. Now, it does not mean that we are not to... Like, this does not mean that we accept sin, that we are perfectly fine with sin, that we don't recognize this as this is a problem and needs to be addressed, but to take a stance that I'm better than someone is wrong. And Jesus is saying, you should, if you're truly my disciple, you should look more and more like me. In 1 John, we see this. This call to looking like Jesus, walking like Jesus. 1 John 2, verse 5 and 6. But whoever keeps his word truly in him, the love of God is made complete. This is how we know we are in him. The one who says he remains in him should walk just as he walked. We should walk as Jesus walked. Jesus walked in perfect obedience to the law, fully loving God and fully loving people. He loved others with compassion. And church, we need to do the same. As a, as a disciple of Jesus, as a follower of Jesus, we should look more and more like Him. So are we walking like Jesus walked? Are we learning from Jesus? Are we becoming like Jesus in how we treat others? And I fear that the American church in many places... We're choosing teachers. We're choosing people to disciple us that really just look like the world. We don't need to be discipled by politicians. We don't need to be discipled by businessmen. We need to be shaped by Jesus Christ. We need to be discipled by Him. So let's ask God this week. God, show me what's shaping my posture towards other people. And how I treat others and how I view and respond to others. 
What's the primary thing that's shaping my response? And if it's anything other than Jesus, we need to repent. Our posture towards others should be shaped by Jesus. The third point I want us to see from this text is this. The Christian posture towards others is not hypocritical. The Christian posture toward others is not hypocritical. And the reality is we see other people's sins more than we see ours. That's, we, that's just part of being a sinner and being, being fallen in this fallen world is we dismiss our own sin and we see others' sins quicker than we recognize our own. Verse 41 and 42, back in Luke chapter 6. Why do you look at the splinter in your brother's eye? But don't notice the beam of wood that's in your own eye. Or how can you say to your brother, Brother, let me take out the splinter that's in your eye when you yourself don't see the beam of wood in your eye? Hypocrite! First take the beam of wood out of your own eye and then you will see clearly to take the splinter out of your brother's eye. The image here is one of hyperbole, of course. It's one of like extreme exaggeration to make a point. And he says, if you look at an individual who has a speck or a tiny splinter in their eye, how can you go to them and say, like, oh, I notice you have this problem when you have an entire log, an entire beam of wood in your own eye? How could you notice their problem and you completely ignore your own? And, of course, he's talking about sin here. How could you not notice the sin that's in your own life? How could you ignore the reality of the, the severity of your own sin and you're looking at little things in other people's lives and holding this judgmental, hypocritical look at them? How can that be the case? And Jesus uses strong words there. He calls people out as hypocrites for this. People outside the church use that often. That's a, like a criticism that, that non-believers often say about the church. Or people who've been hurt by the church and don't want to come back, they say, the church is full of hypocrites. The church is full, full of people that think that they don't do any wrong and yet they notice everyone else's sins. And Jesus is saying we cannot go around ignoring our sins, and looking out for everyone else's. And then in verse 42, he goes on to say, like, how could you actually help someone in the position that you're in? If you're ignoring your own sin, how could you actually step in and try to help someone address the sin that is in their lives? And it doesn't say that we can't ever 
point out sin. It doesn't say that there's not a place to confront sin in people's lives. It doesn't say that we're to ignore sins or accept them and just say, well, everything's fine, we're all okay. That's not what Scripture says. But he's saying we have to get serious about addressing the sin in our own lives instead of looking for others. Don't be a hypocrite, is the words from Jesus. Don't ignore the stuff that's going on in your own life. In Matthew chapter 23, it's actually a much longer passage. We're not going to read all of this, but a a large section of Matthew 23 is calling out the religious leaders for this. Uh, calling out the Pharisees and the scribes for this. We're just going to look at verses 25 through 28. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! You clean the outside of the cup and dish, but inside they are full of greed and self-indulgence. Blind Pharisee, first clean the inside of the cup so that the outside of it may also become clean. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! You are like whitewashed tombs, which appear beautiful on the outside, but inside are full of bones of the dead and every kind of impurity. In the same way, on the outside you seem righteous to people, but inside you're full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. The Pharisees are a picture of, of religious hypocrisy. They had perfected following outwardly the obedience of the law in many cases. They took great pride in that. And Jesus calls them out on many occasions for being hypocrites, for acting like they are better than everyone else. And he says, your hearts are full of sin. You're sinners too. You're ignoring the reality of the sin that is in your own life. Andrew Peterson has a a song on one of his early, early albums. Uh, The song is titled, Come Lord Jesus. And in the song, he's talking about... uh, This issue of the church, especially seeing scenes of the church uh, lashing out at outsiders, criticizing outsiders for their behaviors, their actions. And in the song, he has a line that says, and it feels like the church isn't anything more than the second coming of the Pharisees. And that description sometimes is true. We recognize other people's sins. We ignore our own. And Jesus here says to the church, says to his followers, don't do that. Stop. Don't be a hypocrite. There's a book titled Respectable Sins by Jerry Bridges. uh, And he uh, addresses in the book the problem of sin uh, and the concept of sin kind of slipping away in society. We're getting closer and closer to 
everything's okay, right? What's, what's right for me may not be right for you. What's right for you may not be right for me. So you're fine, I'm fine, we're all okay. In that, he says, there's also an issue that happens in the church that with this going on is we often start looking outside and we hold up these issues of saying like, that's the really bad sin, right? And, and we would never do something like that because we're against those things. One, it's dismissive. We all could commit grievous acts of sin at any point in time if we are not being led by the Spirit of God and walking in the Spirit of God. But we do also have this issue in the church where we look at outsiders and their sins that we've determined are worse than ours. And we think they're really bad because they do this. And he says in the, in the book, it's easy for us to condemn those obvious sins while virtually ignoring our own sins of gossip, pride, envy, bitterness, lust, or even the lack of the gracious qualities that Paul calls the fruit of the Spirit. We look at other people's sins and we're like, man, can you believe they do stuff like that? And we're just, we don't even recognize. And here in Luke, Jesus is talking about this exact problem. We walk around with sin in our lives and we look judgmentally towards others. We look hypocritically at others and we ignore what's going on in our own hearts, in our own lives. We've got to get serious, church, about confronting our own sins before we worry about confronting someone else's sin. Strong language is used in Romans chapter 8 concerning this matter. Excuse me. Romans 8 verse 13, we see this. Because if you live according to the flesh, you're going to die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. Put to death the deeds of the body. Put to death your sins. Don't ignore them. Don't look at them and think, well, this isn't that bad. I'm not doing those things. Put our sins to death. John Owen, uh, in reference to this text, puts it this way. Be killing sin, or sin will be killing you. Church, we've got to drop the facade. We've got to get honest about sin that we still have in our lives. None of us are perfect. And every single one of us desperately needs a Savior. And we have one in Jesus Christ. So let's put away hypocrisy and thinking about the sins of others compared to our own. And let's just get serious about confronting the sin in our own lives. Our posture towards others should not be hypocritical. If you've been hurt by the church, 
Some of you may have been uh, when you've, uh, or, or by someone who at least professes to be a Christian. You may have been hurt by someone uh, confronting you about things in their lives in a, in a critical way, holding themselves above you, acting like they would never live this way. And it's a time, church, for confession that, hey, we're not perfect at this. We have failed miserably sometimes in how we look at others and how we treat others and their sin. But church, the way we treat others really does matter and it really does express to others what we believe about the good news of the gospel. If Jesus Christ really did die for sins... There's really good news for sinners, all sinners. So let's pursue a posture that's not judgmental. Let's pursue a posture that's shaped by Jesus. And let's get serious about confronting sin in our own lives. We can be honest about it. For his glory, because of what he has accomplished. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, forgive us for the times that we have judged others while ignoring our own sins. Forgive us for the times that we condemn others. And refuse to recognize the sin that we have in our lives, or just downplay it, even if we know it's there, just to dismiss it as not being so severe. Help us. Help us in how we treat others. Use our disposition and our posture towards others to draw them into the forgiveness that's available through Jesus Christ. Holy Spirit, Shape us more and more into the image of Jesus, especially in how we treat others. Use us for your glory, God. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.